Megan Skidmore, your host of the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt podcast. My goal in creating this podcast is to normalize asking questions and allowing doubts in a religious or faith journey, as well as other areas of life. My hope is to peel off layers of shame and shed light on the beauty that comes when growth occurs as we lean into asking questions and allowing our doubts. Welcome to episode 26 with the amazing Corinne Crabtree. Corinne is a master certified life coach with a mission to help every woman lose weight and live the exact life they want. Corinne lost 100 pounds 15 years ago, and ever since, she has dedicated her life to teaching women how to do the same. When I first started this podcast, I wouldn't have instinctively thought of comparing the intersection of a faith journey and having doubts and asking questions with a health and weight loss journey. However, the similarities proved to be fascinating and did not disappoint. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as we answer the question, what the hell does weight loss have to do with a faith journey? Hey everybody, I am so excited today. I have one of my mentors, one of um, the greatest coaches I look up to, many of us look up to, and I'm in your business mastermind and love that. Um, I'm so excited to have Corinne Crabtree with me here today. Um, and especially because uh, it's, a, it's an unusual, a kind of a unique overlap of niches, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who know Corinne, she is a weight loss coach and now a business coach, double duty. Um, and as you know, those who have been listening and following along, I um, work with LGBTQ plus families of a conservative faith background. And my podcast is uh, centers on peeling back the layers of shame that is um, surrounding asking questions and having doubts um, in a religious context, but also it shows up in pretty much all aspects of our life. So I thought it would be really interesting to talk with you, Corinne, today um, about that. But before we jump in, please take a minute and introduce yourself to my audience. So like she said, I'm Corinne Crabtree. Uh, Back in 2007, I lost 100 pounds after a whole lifetime of really struggling with my weight. I was the kid that um, had a baby brother who was naturally thin. And by the time I was in the 12th grade, I weighed 210 pounds. He played all the sports. I was the kid at PE that the PE teacher said, just sit on the bench. I don't want to make the kids have to pick you. <laughs> so talk about uh, polar opposites and just just spent literally from about nine years old until early 30s, really struggling with going up and down the scale. I was never thin, but I could lose 75 pounds like it was nobody's business. I knew how to do a dumb diet, a restrictive diet a barely eat diet, uh, go to the gym and work butt off diet. I knew how to do all of that, but I did not know how to lose emotional weight, emotional eating. I didn't learn how to lose self-judgment. I didn't learn how to lose that inner critic. And I didn't know how to develop a relationship with food that I truly wanted to have. I was always like seeking outside of myself, a relationship with food that somebody told me I'd have to have in order to lose weight. So in 2007, after I'd lost 100 pounds, I decided I wanted to help other women because I knew it was very different for me this time, that I had not done it like I had in the past. And I wanted other women to have the opportunity to not only lose weight, but to really 
like be proud of themselves, not just to be proud of what they weigh and the proud of their pant size, but to be proud of the person they'd become. Like I'd become a cheerleader to myself. I had learned how to not beat myself up on a daily basis. I had learned how to um, just really walk through life with a little bit more courage, a little bit more confidence. Um, and I just wanted it for other people. So I started a business and here we are 16 years later, going strong, all, all 14,000 of us <laughs> marching around doing the no BS weight loss way. <laughs> I know. So impressive. So obviously you have learned a lot and you've been able to pass that on to thousands upon thousands of, I was about to say women, but I don't think your membership is only consists of, of women. Oh. It's the weight loss side is um, women or women that have been like, if you've been socialized as a woman, like we have a very um, big passion for anyone who identifies as a woman. Uh, the business side is open to everybody. We were going to be a business women's membership originally. And then I really just got to thinking about it. And we had, you know, people reaching out to us who wanted to work with us. And I was like, you know what? we all struggling trying to build businesses mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're talking about the, you know, in the weight loss side, it's very personal, you know, like, you know, we tend to, when we, um, when we carry extra weight, there's so much shame that comes along with it. And we talk about, you know, key relationships, people that um, aren't very nice to us about our bodies. Um, all the, a lot of my women have had um, trauma, and that's why they've had issues with their weight. So um, I just think it's so personal over there and they don't necessarily feel very comfortable. You know, like if you're going to be talking about how um, you can't stand your body and you've now not had sex with your partner for, you know, years, you don't necessarily want men, you know, listening in on that conversation. Yeah. On the business sure. side, we're just talking about like, bull, bull crap. <laughs> so we're, we're good over there. <laughs> so you said a few things I kind of want to circle back to. You mentioned growing up, you had a, a PE teacher or a coach who would tell you to sit on the bench so that the others wouldn't have to pick you. That sounds to me like you have been on a long journey of learning to uh, acknowledge that you have some doubt going on. You have lots of questions. Why is this me and not the other kids? Yep. Yeah, why, that, why am I not good enough? You know, a lot of, a lot of those types of things for the purpose of my audience. Okay. Back in episode 12, I define the origin of the word doubt. It can actually be a noun and that's a lack of confidence, distrust, an inclination not to believe so it's a state of being. It can also be a verb to doubt or doubted. So you're questioning um, something, you are uncertain of something. So if we experience this lack of confidence, distrust, you know, disbelief, when it comes to our health, then we are defining ourselves as though this is our state of being. You said something a minute ago that you were always seeking outside of myself and that just, just, um, you know, meshes really well for me when you're doubting 
you are looking for external evidence. My question for you is how could we, as far as defining ourselves are concerned, um, you know, the shift in mindset can come from looking at those as, as separately, you know, a state of being, a noun versus taking action, which can be changed, a verb. So how is that helpful for people to understand when it comes to shifting their mindset surrounding their health goals? Well, I think like one thing that's, I guess, not understood or talked near enough about just even in coaching or working on these things is um, normalizing doubting. Like it's in Mm -hmm. our nature. And I mean, a lot of it is come like a lot of my doubts about myself, like the ability to lose weight and stuff definitely was kind of thrust upon me from the diet industry or thrust upon me from well-meaning family members or, you know, people in high school and whatever. But there's also like, as we get older and we get caught up in the habit of the continuing to doubt it, it's like, we make it a problem. And I try to tell my clients all the time, it is so normal to doubt things. It's like, there's the, the whole idea that we're doubting. And then there's me who comes in is like, oh, and there's something wrong with me because I don't believe, or there's something wrong with me because I have these doubts or I shouldn't have these, or I'll never be able to lose weight until like all of this is cleared up. And that's just not true. I tell people all the time, it's very normal. Like when I look like even now, I like I have been at maintenance for 16 years. And my brain still on a regular basis wants to tell me like, um, you better be careful. You know, we've always had a weight problem. It's like, all right, we had a weight problem. And for 16 years, we've not a better truth. But if I sit there and I think, oh God, here I go again. How can I ever be a coach? I'm sitting here doubting my maintenance or this is a big problem. Like I need to figure out how to believe. It's like, I just like to tell myself, look, you'll probably always have doubts and insecurities come up. That's really normal. We don't have to work on all of them. We only have to work on them when they feel useful. So you, you said something really key. You said we make it a problem. And I think that's not just true in weight loss and, and health goals. I think it's true which I've already said that, but it seems to be particularly true in these topics, uh, areas of life that we, we tend to hold a little bit more on a pedestal or they're more, they're maybe more out in the open. We're more susceptible to public scrutiny or, uh, evaluation judgment, Mm -hmm. you know, so like topics like health and weight loss for sure. Um, and, and body image, I would throw body image in there, but, you know, religion, you know, like what I address in my podcast, things like LGBTQ plus issues, um, you know, gun control and those types of things. I'm not going to shift this, you know, in a political direction, but it's, it's like, we, I, I try to get to the heart of that. And that's one of the reasons why I have this podcast you, the first thing you said is just normalizing doubting. You know, I know why in a religious context, folks really shy away from it. It's because of the shame and how they're going to be perceived among their tribe or their people, right? And so why do you think when it comes to health and weight loss, something that 
um, you know, I know that external societal context clues, uh, messages that gets, you know, sent to us from the time we were young, especially those of us who are in our generation. Exactly. <laughs> but this younger younger generation. I'm like telling the youngins today, y'all so lucky. We didn't have body, body positivity. We didn't have like all this stuff y'all got. <laughs> Nobody oh. was telling us that we should feel our feelings. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's curious to me um, why something as simple as asking a question can bring so much shame. Part of it is so our brains just don't like uncertainty. And it feels like when something is uncertain, our brain is like on a hunt to solve it. And it's it would be awesome. If when we're uncertain about something, if our brain would just naturally come up with a solution that's positive and everything, most of the time it can't find it. Like, especially in weight loss, because I can't promise anybody you'll lose weight. What I can promise you is I will teach you everything you need to know. I promise that if you go all in, you'll never regret ever trying your hardest I can promise people lots of things, but I can't promise at the end of the day that they will lose all the weight that they want and be able to keep it off. The only thing that I can promise is we can learn how to be dedicated, willing, committed. We can do all of that. So like when we think about certainty and if our brain can't have that certainty, it wants to come up with something to get us certain. So it'll be like, I don't know if you can lose weight. So it starts bringing on the doubts and it's doing that because most of the time, if it doubt feels so gross and doubt feels so scary, because at the heart of doubt is going to be fear. If you're doubting, you can lose weight. It's really not the, I don't know if I can lose weight. It's I'm terrified. I won't. And if I don't lose weight, I make it mean all these things. And so the brain knows that's a certainty. So that's why it brings up doubt. It's like, I'm just trying to make sure that you can have some certainty. We're not trained how to give our brain good, truthful, believable certainties in life. Like no. I, one of the things that I do for myself is um, like, I will set goals in my business. I love setting goals in my business and I don't make a lot of them. And I will never snow myself to say, I'm a thousand percent certain I will meet this financial goal in this year. But what I will tell myself is I'm a thousand percent certain that this year I will give it everything I got. And when I create a certainty like that, my brain can release doubting if I'm going to hit the goal. I love that so much. What if we could look at it that way from a spiritual journey? I love that so much. Yeah. Um, you know, as you're talking about how much we just cannot handle the uncertainty of life, I have learned something as a coach. We really resist this idea that we can hold two things in, you know, one in each hand. Yeah. Right. Instead of calling one, nope, that's not right. And the other, uh, that's true. We, we, we feel like we have to pick or choose. Yeah. 
I try to tell people all the time, it's like, like whatever thinking you've got going on, even if it's not helpful, it's probably going to feel true. At the end of the day, our, our deepest insecurities, our deepest worries, our deepest doubts, they feel true to us. And we don't want to dismiss that. And you don't want to be trying to cover it up with some kind of a positive thought or whatever, because truth will always win out. Like if something literally feels true inside of you, you have to address it. And I, so I tell people all the time, it's just because something feels true, it doesn't make it the only truth available. So what we actually want to do, and this is what I do all the time in my life, I like to hold two truths. So it's true. Like my clients will say this all the time, but it's true. I've never been able to lose weight. That's why I'm so scared that this time will be like the last time. It's like, I know that feels true to you. And yes, it is true that you haven't lost weight in the past, but here's an equal truth. It's equally as true that there are lessons from your past you could apply today. It's equally as true mm -hmm. that what you did in the past doesn't influence today's lunch. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to stop it enough, it's, it's possible that you could do it and it has nothing to do with how you ate 10 years ago. A lot of times when they hear like these two truths, it's like, oh, I can, I don't like, cause I think it's very, I think it's unfair of us coaches to almost take away something that feels really true to someone, like almost like dismissing it. Like, yeah, no, that's just a thought. Like I would, I just like, the only time I ever tell somebody is like, you know, that's a thought, right? Is to see where they're at, at believing their sentences. So I think it's really important that we understand we can have two things that feel true at the same time, but we want to act from and let the last word be the truth that's useful. One truth is just not use. It's just not useful to sit around and think about all your past failures. It mm -hmm. never leads to doing better, but it's also true that you can go to your past and find your lessons. And if you're willing to go find your lessons, it can have a powerful impact on what you do today. Both are true. So we always mm -hmm. want to pick what is more useful and let's use that one, but let them both feel true. Because then if you start doing the useful one, eventually the old one loses steam and energy. Well, and, and then it starts feeling less true. And I think that also teaches us what didn't work or has, you know, is no longer working for us. That's why it's so important to allow questioning uh, doubts to come up, you know, lean into that fear, lean into that uncertainty. See faith and doubt as two sides of the same coin. Faith being, um, you know, believing in something that you cannot see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yet is is there is true you can it can be your truth in relation to losing weight to getting to a healthier goal weight mm -hmm. when you resist that you know in your experience how does that affect a person's success when they resist what the like having faith that they can lose weight when they when they are resistant to this idea that they can allow 
these doubts that are coming up that the they have questions regard you know related to how to move forward well one thing and I don't know if this happens with your people but one thing I've always used as an example inside of my my own weight loss community is a lot of them are very faithful people they they believe in like God or they have some something that they really believe in that at the end of the day they got no stinking proof that's going to happen or that it exists mm-hmm. and I'm like uh, like one of my dearest friends is um she's a Catholic coach and like I always say like oh my gosh she is like the ultimate Catholic <laughs> you know like she, she does all the things she was even a Catholic school teacher. She taught Logan two different grades while he was growing. She was kindergarten and third grade. And I'm like, why is it so hard to believe in some? Why is it so hard to believe that you can't lose weight? Like, why do you need proof of that? But you know in your heart, you're believing a hundred percent in God. He'll never show his face. He wants us to have faith. You know, that's how it is in my religion. I don't know, like, I'm not speaking for all religions, but just uh-huh. from my personal perspective. And I've used that as an example very often. It's like, we, like, for those of us who believe in a higher power, whatever that is, yeah. we have decided to believe in it. Like, it was just a decision we made and we made it over and over again. And we started being, we started acting like someone who believes in it. The same can happen in weight loss. You literally, like your future is not built on your past experiences. Your future is built on today's decisions. And that's it. Yeah. So you have to be very conscious of where are you making your decisions today? If you're making them from a broken past and a doubtful mind, you're just going to keep creating more of that. You're going to make it very hard to get to where you want to go. But if today, if you're just like, here's what I can believe in today. And I'm a big believer in doing this. If you can't believe in the big stuff, believe in the small things. It's like, I don't need you to believe you can lose all your weight. So true. But can you believe that today at dinner, you can eat a little bit less than you did last night? And so many people are like, well, I can do that. I said, then let's believe in that. Let's accomplish that. Let's remind ourselves. I believed ahead of time I could stop. I did stop. That's that's me becoming someone who can eat a little bit less on their path to losing their weight. And then you stack what I just call doable beliefs over and over again. Mm -hmm. So anytime you have a doubt, I would just suggest people to think about what is your doubt and what is a very micro doable belief that you can get behind to help you navigate this doubtful time because we don't need to believe all of it we just need a little belief a little belief goes a long way to extinguishing some doubt I agree that's so true if we can't believe the big things then focus on the littler things some of the folks that I work with are going through a faith transition or a pivot in their faith journey. And that is a really hard thing for them when it comes to their religious beliefs, right? They think that they cannot, if they cannot believe this, if this is no longer true for them, the big stuff, 
then none of it's true when really that doesn't have to be their truth. They can look at the things that they do believe, the littler things, and build from there versus just letting it all go. Yeah. That's um, kind of happened to me in my own religious journey. I mean, I was born and raised Catholic, been Catholic all my life. I still identify as Catholic, but like, I don't go to church and I had to do a lot. Of, and my husband doesn't, he, he's not faith at all. Like he's never, he was not born in, he was not raised in churches. Um, his whole family is like, they're, they, they just don't have faith in their life. And it took me a long time of really deciding um, what my working definition and what my level of faith was going to be. I've gotten a lot of like all of my friends, um, a lot of like, I would say good spiritual counseling on this. I, um, I've worked with an, I've like, I'm not Mormon, but one of my spiritual counselors is an LDS coach because he's so compassionate and he's so just asks good questions and stuff. And I just think all of us, when it comes to faith, I, I mean, this is weight loss or any of it. Don't be ashamed or scared to just figure out what you really want. You know, like for me, for a long time, I made it mean something terrible. If I was even thinking about going and seeing, like going to different churches or trying on a different way to, you know, pray and all this other stuff. And then I just decided like, and so then I spent time not figuring out the relationship with God I wanted. It kept me further from God. Mm -hmm. And because I wasn't doing it right. And then one day I just said, you know what? I just want to define the relationship that I want. And I just want to see what feels right to me. It doesn't mean I have to do it. It doesn't mean I have to choose it. I can decide whatever I want after that. But I at least want to know what my spirit is speaking to me. And I did that. And it's been a lot more freeing because I've actually gotten closer to God from it. It sounds like you kind of shifted from, you know, looking externally to define that relationship. You said, I started listening to me. So you shifted to that internal, that inner authority. Yeah. And I think I can guess what happened to that shame that you felt at the even thought of going elsewhere or trying something new. Yeah. Once you start looking inward. It was like, I, you know, like I would f- sometimes feel incongruent. Like I went from shame to like doubting all the things to feel a little incongruent with what I'd been taught to being open to, there's a lot of paths to God. <laughs> there's not just one. So it was just, it was like that whole doable beliefs, figuring out the little things all the way there. I think that that's just super important. Yeah. It is. One thing I love about this podcast is I get to chat with folks from various religious backgrounds and I honor all spiritual journeys. I think they're all important. I think God loves all of us. And anytime we, we get off track because of how we've been taught or what's been passed down to us, it's unsettling. For many, it, you know, it shatters their world. It feels like an earthquake under your feet. Well, yeah, it's a huge belief system. Anytime a belief system gets disrupted, 
no matter what that is. Like some of my clients, I was coaching someone today. She's lost all of her weight. And yet she's in the biggest crisis of her weight loss ever because she's terrified of letting go of the weight loss side of her. She has always told herself, if I'm trying to lose weight, then I keep my eating in check. We worked on like that belief system has to go away. If she's ever going to not feel pressure, like have tos and like diet the rest of her life, like she's already worked on losing her weight. She should get to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> so we, like dismantling a belief system around anything is always just skull crushing to you. Yeah, it is. Wow. That's fascinating that she's experiencing that uh, in a way in her kind of her weight loss belief system, we could call it Yeah. <laughs> her, her program. I'm, I'm kind of going out on a limb here, but I'm going to guess a lot of folks who are going through a faith journey, go to food as mm-hmm. <laughs> a way to eat our feelings, eat the feelings I have. And, you know, I'm, I take steps every day to try to reverse that. So I love seeing, um, there are similarities in these journeys in the belief systems that get passed down to us. And for me, the most powerful thing has been to grant myself, you, you can give yourself permission to move forward from a place of integrity. Yeah. I, you know, for a long time, kind of just, this is long before I met you, I did Weight Watchers and it was, you know, that was the way to do it. There just came a point where the program and the way I understood it no longer served me. And, um, you know, it's, it's good to be able to loosen up and decide, okay, that worked for a while. That doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean, um, it won't work for others, but I've evolved. I've changed. I see things differently now. I um, am di- I'm a different person than I was, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And all of that is okay. None of it has to be a problem. Right. I can focus on where I'm at right now uh, and go from there. And if I'm uncertain, you know, just allow that we don't know always. We don't. Mm -mm. And one of the things about like, when you, I I think a lot of women, especially in our age range, you know, I always say like Weight Watchers is practically a rite of passage for every woman at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always shocked and stunned. I literally had somebody um, on a call today. She said, I'm one of those people that, um, that you always talk about your unicorn. She was like, girl, I never did Weight Watchers. I didn't even do bread. <laughs> like, she was just, you could just see the chat blow up like, what? How did you escape, you know? But I think when you get to like a certain age, especially when it comes to weight loss, like when we're younger, it's so much about fitting in and all this other stuff. And then as we get a little bit older, I think our, like our minds expand more mm-hmm. about what we truly want in our life. You know, especially once you start getting like, I know for me, I'll be 50 next year. And as I'm coming up on 50, I'm really figuring out what BS in the world. I just don't want to 
like, I just don't want to keep yeah. working on this. I don't want to be thinking about this anymore. Like life is too short for this to be my main problem. Yeah. And that's going to take like really understanding then what is it that you do want? Like, what is that? Like in weight loss, it's like nobody ever asks us before we try to lose weight. They always ask us, what do you want to weigh? And that's like the big thing. And I always teach my people, I don't want to know what you want to weigh as much as I want to know what life do you want at the end? What are we creating here? Who do you want to be? How do you think? How do you handle your bad days? How do you talk to yourself? Um, what relationship do you want with food? What relationship do you want with your body? We need to know the total picture. The number really just gives us a guidepost to know are our behaviors on track this week or not? Like the, literally the numbers are just to have mile markers to get you to see, like to reflect on your habits, to see what are, what's working and what's not. It's an evaluation process and data at best. That's all it is. But what we really need is we need a, like a roadmap that gives us the clear picture of our destination. Because if you don't, I have lost weight too many times in my life where at the end, I still didn't like myself. I was still scared of food. I weighed constantly trying to make sure I was in check and I lived in anxiety. No one has ever told me, I would love to lose 50 pounds. And when we end, I'd like to be terrified of food. I'd like to worry every time I go on vacation that I'm going to regain weight. Right. And I would also love it if I would just beat myself down every day to stay in line. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't want to be that person, we have to know who you actually want to be so that right. we can start practicing being that person a little bit at a time, every single day on the way. So that when you get right. there, you've changed inside and out. Right. It's a skill, one that we didn't realize that we really weren't taught to define ourselves. So you have a tool that I love and it's called the four ends. And I think it's really powerful, especially for those of us that are, uh, ha have been prescribed a certain way of living, being, thinking, doing, you know, um, what would it look like to apply the principles of the four ends to those that are navigating doubts and asking questions, um, you know, including self-doubt or mm -hmm. trying to figure out who, you know, how to define me. Yeah. So the first in, which is the most important one in, in my book is you've got to notice the doubts okay. and where they're coming from. So we have to know, like, you know, self-doubt, any doubt, insecurity, fear, whatever is always coming from something that we're thinking about, you know, like it could be, um, wanting to transition to religions, wanting to change your relationship with God, your change your relationship with yourself, whatever it is. So you got to notice first, because if you don't know what it is that you're thinking, it's, you just can't change the external stuff. If the internal is still raging with crap, right? So we notice first. And then the second step is normalize. And I think that this is where so many people get relief because listening to your thoughts almost always brings in the critic who will say like, oh my gosh, you think that 
Yeah. You must be crazy. Right. Think that you'll never change. Like this critic comes like coming in like a judge Judy. And we use the normalized step to help the inner critic settle down. We want to always think about whatever it is that thoughts that we uncover. How did this get started? Why would it be normal for me to think that? We're using normalizing as a way to explain in a useful way the origins, the roots, the reasons why we might think these things so that we're not being hard on ourselves. Because if you're hard on your thinking, then you will stop listening to your thinking. And the moment you stop listening to your thinking, you've cut off being able to change anything in your life. True. Very true. Mm-hmm. The third end is once we are like, oh, I get some relief. This is normal because I move into neutralizing. Okay. And neutralizing is like, all right, at the end of the day, I see this thought and everything that's normal, but this is all that's really happening. This is where we take a big, deep breath. We blow it out and we just get factual. The only thing that's mm-hmm. happening is like, for instance, um, like it take me. The only thing that's happening is I'm Catholic. I'm considering other options. That's it. The rest of it is all the story. And so this is where we give ourselves a breath. And then from a clean space, we go to the last one, which is the next best thought in action, which is, all right, this feels really true. And I've now understand why I think it, but this is all that's happening. So what is the next best thought I could think? What is, we were talking about it earlier. What's equally as true that I could also think about this so I can hold two things at once. And if I'm going, like, if this is equally as true, what would my next step be? Because when we take the next step, we don't want to take it from our old thinking. We want to take it from that new useful thinking. Yes. That's the four ends. You know, and and the thought occurred to me as you were talking, uh, I think this would be so helpful also when observing the faith journey of your loved ones and your family members, right? Not just your own, but there are a lot of parents that I work with who are going through a lot of this, trying to deal with the choices of their children to take a different path than what they tried to pass on and those four steps would be super helpful. Thank you for sharing those. One last question um, before we wrap up. What does living beyond the shadow of doubt mean to you? Say to me, it means knowing that doubt is normal, but doing things anyway. I'm a real, Mm. I'm really good at Um, One of my coaches actually has a phrase that we all use. And she says, I doubt it, but I do it anyway. And she says it over and over again. It's distinct and clear. It's coach Betsy. She's Ah. the one that coined that. But she basically, it's like you make a list of the things that you do doubt and that you're not doing simply because you doubt. It's like, If I think about it, I know if I just, you know, do this, life would be better. But my doubt is literally holding me hostage. It's paralyzing me. So she makes a list of those things. And when it comes time to do it, she's like, I strap on my big girl panties. I take a big, deep breath. 
I know that life, like I've told myself a thousand times in my journal, life will be better if I just do these things. I tell myself, I doubt it, but I do it anyway. And she said, I wanted to become the kind of person that that was her new identity. And I think it's beautiful because I don't imagine ever, ever until I draw my last breath, I'm going to doubt things in my life. So true. I think that's where the growth comes when we allow it. And I think that's how we up-level, we become our next best self. If we don't, then we're just, we're halting our own progress. That's so good. I'm going to remember that always. Awesome. Thanks to you and to coach Betsy. So just for funsies, just a few quick questions that are one word answers. Do you have a favorite book? My favorite book? Yes. The last word on power. Okay. Awesome. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I think I know. Extrovert. Yes. I would call myself um, extrovert introvert. I know you I'm said right one word answers. Yes. Yeah. Like it's That's fine. like sometimes I need to be by myself. <laughs> okay. Are you a night owl or a morning lark? Oh, Lord, morning. No, not Al and me. <laughs> the older I get, the less, yeah, less hooting I do as well. Uh, your favorite artist? Oh, gosh. I don't even know if I have one. Like, whoever did my Dolly Parton picture. <laughs> it, I was noticing that. That is amazing. It's so beautiful. Okay. Celebrity crush? <laughs> oh, gosh. I have so many. Shamar Moore. Okay. Do you drink still or carbonated water? I used to say Coke or Pepsi, but it was totally dating me and my generation. And they're like, no, I don't drink soda. (laughs) I'm a still water girl. You're still water. Mm -hmm. And the furthest furthest place you've traveled? I guess Canada. Yeah, Canada. Well, I don't know. Maybe California. I haven't traveled many places. Like (laughs) everybody's like, oh my gosh, Corinne, she's like so not adventurous. So it's it's probably California, if I had to guess. California is a great place to go. Uh, So tell us about how to connect with you. Tell us about the offers that you have available to our listeners and all the things. So if you would like information on weight loss, you can go to nobsfreecourse.com. I've had over a million people take my free course. Um, now I know this is a like people of faith. I just want to warn everyone <laughs> of a very salty mouth when I'm not on Megan's podcast. <laughs> so you, you've been warned. Uh, and then if you're interested in business, if for some reason you have a business and you, you heard her talking about it, we have the nobiusbusinesswomen.com that you can go visit and check out what we do over there for online entrepreneurs who want to grow scale and do a business without having to cobble together stuff all over the internet. (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today. And I will put all of that information in my show notes so that everybody can go there. Thanks so much. Come join me in Hopeful Spaces, a Dallas Hope Charities component of Hopeful Discussions, which is sponsored by Mercedes-Benz Financial Services USA. Hopeful Spaces is a monthly parent, caregiver, and ally support group facilitated by Megan Skidmore Coaching. To join is free. Simply send an email to chc at dallashopecharities.org. Visit meganskidmorecoaching.com where you can find this podcast as well as additional free resources. 
Check the podcast show notes on any platform for links to sources cited. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram for more and to send me a DM. To help the podcast grow, please follow, rate, and review, as well as share it with a friend. Beyond the Shadow of Doubt is a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network, which is a part of the Dialogue Journal found at dialoguejournal.com forward slash podcast network. Founder Eugene England was a Mormon writer, teacher, and scholar who wrote, My faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me out into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. My hope is that this podcast is an extension of that vision. Thanks for being here. Until next time. Thank you.